Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Delighted you're here on a Monday. I open the show by saying this. If you can't do a sports talk show today, you don't deserve to have one. Six NFL playoff games behind us. College football national championship game is tonight. Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson live in 15 minutes. Mark Schlereth, who doesn't know what time it is, live right after that. Green list in this hour getting ahead for the college football game tonight. So much to come. And in just a few minutes, about five minutes from right now, I will tell you about a rule change that may have cost you a bunch of money. All those and more are on the hopper for this hour. But I'll start by telling you this. It is my nature. As a football fan, we just did the airing of grievances. I have been an aggrieved football fan all my life. And it is my nature. I inherited this from my father, so I came by it honestly. I tend to always blame the coach for everything. And it's funny because so many of the former coaches of the New York Jets wind up coming to ESPN and they become friends of mine. Rex Ryan, you may have seen him on TV with me this morning. I love Rex. He and I have a fabulous relationship. And he won a lot of games as coach of the Jets. When he was the coach, I used to scream and yell at him and about him constantly. Same with Herman. Herman Edwards is someone that that there's no one whom I hold in higher regard and esteem as a human being than Herman Edwards. When he was the coach of the Jets, all I did was yell and scream about him. So, with that in mind, with my tendency being to always blame the coach, I bring you today's version of Greeny's Hot Takes. Greenies takes. It starts with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy hates his own quarterback. He hates him. So why does he get to try a third one? You know, the old adage is when you're a general manager and you hire a coaching staff and they don't work out, you sometimes get to hire a second one. You don't get to hire a third one. Matt Nagy was hired in Chicago for one reason. The express purpose of hiring him was that he was an offensive genius. You had just spent all of this capital on Mitch Trubisky. There were obviously some questions about what he looked like after one year in the league, and you brought in an offensive guru to come mold Trubisky into the real deal. And you know what? He started doing it. That first year, Nagy's the coach of the year, and Trubisky's QBR is off the roof. And you make the playoffs and you have a double stoink that keeps you from winning a playoff game against an Eagles team, but the arrow couldn't have been pointed more up. And Matt Nagy decided, that's not how I want to coach. That's not the player I want to coach. I'm going to take this round peg and try and stick it into a square hole. And I'm going to take the offense that I believe in, and I'm going to force it upon Mitch Trubisky. And it didn't work, and it was a disaster. And Trubisky went from being a guy you could win with, maybe not a superstar, Maybe not even close, but a guy you could win with. He went from that to literally being the worst quarterback in the league. There were times a season ago when he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. So what happens? They don't pick up his option, and they say to Matt Nagy, all right, you want to run a different offense? We'll go spend a bunch of money on Nick Foles. And and, and, and Nagy could not have run quickly enough to bench Trubisky. They're winning games, and he benches the quarterback to throw Nick Foles out there. And you saw what happened. So now you're telling me that Matt Nagy gets to coach another quarterback? You're going to give up on Trubisky because you have to. You're certainly not handing the ball to Foles next year. He's given no one any indication that that's a smart idea. So you're going to now pick another quarterback and let Matt Nagy guru him? I don't know. 
That's a lot for a guy who's accomplished as little as he has. Plus, the mistakes that team made yesterday, the offsides, punching a guy in the head, getting thrown out, punting in the fourth quarter, by the way, running the football at the beginning of that drive. I think that's a place to watch for changes. So my first take of the day today is, if you think that Mitch Trubisky is the problem in Chicago, it's because you don't watch. The biggest problem there has been the coach. Next, Mike Vrabel. I love Mike Vrabel. All right, let me make it clear. My relationship with Vrabel goes all the way back to when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl one year. Mike Vrabel became Mike and Mike's correspondent. He's in the game, and he did a daily diary for us. He came on every day of Super Bowl week and just gave us a quick rundown of all the things that were going on as a player. I've known him that long. He's a great guy and a great coach. I love a linebacker's mentality at coach, which is why I cannot believe he punted yesterday. He punted because his team got punched in the face. They got punched in the face and they didn't respond. Derrick Henry got held to 40 yards rushing yesterday. And they were unable or unwilling to adjust out of it. Tennessee and their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who everybody loves, who might wind up being a head coach as soon as the end of this week. They never adjusted. They just kept running into that brick wall and never got anywhere with it. And so then when push came to shove, fourth and two with a plus 40 in the fourth quarter in a one-possession game, they punted. And according to Pro Football Reference, that is the first time in their database, which goes back to 1994, that a team in the playoffs punted on fourth and two from that field position down one score in the fourth quarter. First time it's ever happened. It was a stunning decision. And it generally is not what the coach who's coaching to win the game does. So I am really surprised that Vrabel did that, and that is one they will have to sleep on and live with through this offseason. He's a great coach, and I'm not suggesting otherwise. He's done a great job there, and they'll be back. But that was a decision they're going to have to live with. One more. The Doug Peterson, the lesson of the Doug Peterson story. And if you're just joining me, Shefty was on about a half hour ago saying Doug Peterson has another meeting with the ownership in Philadelphia, and it is a very real possibility a change will still be made there. The moral of that story is you cannot quit on your own team and ask them to be cool with it. You just can't do it. Bad teams are still trying at the ends of seasons. The Jets won two games at the end of the year that was incredibly bad for their franchise, but the players have pride. They have pride. They're trying to win. They don't want to walk off that field a loser. They've been smashing someone's head for the last 60 minutes. They want to win. You can't quit on your own team in the fourth quarter of the last game of the season and expect everything to be fine. So I'm not the least bit surprised that this has gone sideways in Philadelphia, and I'm not sure he doesn't want out. I'm not sure what the mess that is, that situation and Carson Wentz and everything else. I'm not sure he doesn't want out. And if he does leave there, Shefty said maybe he gets another job, but it isn't a certainty. That, to me, seems like one that bears watching. And those are some takes off the top of this hour. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your home, auto, excuse me, your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Again, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, I promised you a rule change that may have cost you some money. And if it did, you know what I'm talking about. When the game between the Bears and the Saints ends yesterday, it ends with no time on the clock. 21-3 New Orleans. Mitch Trubisky throws a touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham, who goes up, grabs it with one hand, 
and then runs directly off the field in what may well have been the last play of his career. At that moment, I turn to my son and I say, they may go for the two here. That was significant to me and many others because 21-9 had become the score. The game closed at New Orleans minus 11. Some of us may have had New Orleans minus 10 and a half. But they didn't kick the extra point or go for the two. And that is because that rule was changed in 2018. Rule 4, Section 8, Article 2 of the NFL Official Rule Book. If a touchdown is made on the last play of a period, the try attempt shall be made except during a sudden death period or if a touchdown is scored during a time in which time the fourth quarter expires and a successful try would not affect the outcome of the game. They took it out. They changed the rule two years ago and took it out. And so that game ended 21 to 9. Oh, the pain. To quote my friend Mr. Van Pelt, that was a tough beat. And maybe you felt it the same way I did. Ladanian Tomlinson, the Hall of Famer, is next, followed by Mark Schlereth. The green list is still on the way. We are busy. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We also stream live every single day on ESPN Plus. And every day I bring you a fascinating stat. It's brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And in honor of our next guest, here is today's fascinating stat. There are only six players who are enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame at a younger age than LaDainian Tomlinson. LT went into the Hall of Fame at the age of 38. The players who were younger, Kellen Winslow went into the Hall of Fame at 37. Dick Butkus, Earl Campbell, and Barry Sanders were 36. Jim Brown was 35. And the legendary Gale Sayers was 34, the youngest ever to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that is the company our next guest keeps. You see him all over NFL Network and everything else. The all-time great LaDainian Tomlinson with me here on the Goodyear Hotline. Hello, LT, and thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing well, Green. It's great to talk to you, man. It's been a long time. Did you know that? Did you know that you were among the – I guess you would have to know that you were only 38 years old and you can only be so much younger. Yeah, yeah, I, I knew. I didn't know that Gail was only 34 years old when he went in. And, Jim, you said 35? Wow, that's I, I, that's pretty young to be in the Hall of Fame. That's the list. Yeah, Gail Sayers, his career was cut short by injury. Jim Brown, who retired prematurely. Then Dick Butkus, Earl Campbell, Barry Sanders, uh, Barry Sanders, Kellen Winslow, and then you, my friend. So let's dive into it here with the Hall of Famer, LaDainian Thompson. Let's start with this. Let's start with a great running back who couldn't carry his team yesterday. What happened 
to Derrick Henry? What did the Ravens do to keep him from being basically any factor in that playoff game yesterday? Well, really, Green, it was the mindset that the Baltimore Ravens defensive line played with. And, and I think about before the game, do you recall Calais Campbell? Um, as he was walking off the field, he was chirping to the Tennessee Titans offensive line. In fact, that whole defense was chirping to, at the Tennessee Titans offensive line as they walked off the field. Their locker room was right by where Tennessee were, were warming up. And once I saw that, I said, you know what, it's a different mindset for those boys because they know they're going to put it all on Ryan Tannehill. That's, that's always the game plan, right? You stop Derrick Henry and you put it all on Ryan Tannehill. Now, it's easier said than done, but I thought Baltimore did an outstanding job at the line of scrimmage of knocking Tennessee's offensive line back and penetrating in the backfield and not allowing Derrick Henry to get going. Because once he get going downhill, it's, as you know, it's tough to stop that big man. You know, I'm always fascinated by whether it was the players or the plays. So are you telling me that it was the scheme the Ravens had yesterday, or are you telling me it was just the dudes in there who weren't going to get beat? No, it, it's, it's all about the dudes. Now, the scheme, obviously, it helps you, but Greeny, you can run a scheme all day long if you don't have the players to get it done and execute that scheme and have the right mindset. That scheme is not going to work. I don't care what you're doing. So it was all about the players, the mindset of, of those guys on defense. They were not going to allow Derrick Henry to beat them. Greeny and LT. Let's talk about another team that has two really good running backs. I opened the show today by saying that no matter what else happens in this postseason, there will be a not, not will not be another win as consequential as what the Browns accomplished last night by going into Pittsburgh, beating the team that has always dominated them with everything that they've overcome. What would you say last night meant to the Cleveland Browns? Wow, I think uh, it, it, it was a trajectory changing. Um, thing for the organization, meaning now that organization is going upward, and they now believe that they could be the new AFC North champions year after year. Like they believe that they they are one of the best teams in that division. When you be, when you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers the last two weeks, like they have, and people say, well, they didn't have Big Ben Roethlisberger last week. That, that did obviously that didn't matter. Would you believe that I would tell you that Mason Rudolph would have had a better game than Big Ben Roethlisberger? Mm-hmm. No, you wouldn't have believed that. But that's exactly what happened because that's the domination that the Cleveland Browns showed, and it all happened really in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They dominated them running the football. And I said this earlier this year that the Steelers had a problem with Cleveland anyway because – Cleveland, the way they run the ball, they can control the game. And when I saw Chubb have 14 for, I think, 108 last week, only 14 carries and had over 100 yards, 7 yards a carry, I knew that that was going to be a problem going into this game. And so it wasn't surprising for me at all, Greeny, that the Cleveland Browns were able to run the ball like they were. I think what was more surprising is the way Big Ben turned the ball over. I mean, they just didn't look prepared. Big Ben looked old. And it was very shocking. Yeah. Last night, 
Chubb had led the way for them, but they did have the two-headed running attack. And yes, Roethlisberger threw four interceptions, and the Browns beat them by playing the way the Steelers have historically played. So they have a lot of questions there. Greeny and the Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson from NFL Network now. You see him all over their coverage. Speaking of rewriting the narrative, LT, what does yesterday mean to Lamar Jackson? Uh, I think it just builds his confidence, right? You know, whenever you're able to win a playoff game, especially in the magnitude that he did it, and that means he did it the way Lamar Lamar Jackson plays football. It's not going to always be pretty and throwing the ball all over the park for 300 yards. That's not the way Lamar plays. His best attribute is his ability to be athletic and make plays with his legs. We know that. So I was happy to see toward the end of the season that he stopped listening to everybody about staying in the pocket, throwing the football. That's, that's not who he is. He's a playmaker at that position. He can throw the ball, but he's very special whenever he uses his legs. And when the opportunity presents itself, you have to do that. And so now, Greeny, going forward, that's going to build confidence to say, man, I can get it done in the playoffs. That win – you know, just like we've seen years ago with Steve Young where he said, hey, take the monkey off my back. Mm-hmm. I can do this. It's something about when a player succeeds at that level, in the playoffs, at the quarterback position. I think that bodes well for him. And look out. I mean, this is a matchup coming up, Greening. Buffalo and Baltimore, I'm just telling you, it's going to be the best game of the weekend. Mm. I can't wait to watch it. I agree with you. You have two quarterbacks from the same draft class, plus Baker is in this round. Three of the four AFC quarterbacks all came from the same draft class. Greeny and Ladanian Tomlinson. One more for you, LT, and obviously you finished your career with the Jets, and, and that's where I was watching you up close and personal, but when you were the, one of the great players in NFL history, it was during your years in San Diego playing with Phillip Rivers, and, and we saw him go out of this postseason emotionally on Saturday. What are your thoughts on him, the season he had, and, and what you think his future looks like well Philip has always been an outstanding quarterback obviously we know that and it's really because of you know his competitive nature man this guy you're never going to be out of a game when Philip is that quarterback because he always believes he can win the game no matter if you're down 14 it doesn't matter he believes that he can win those games and a lot of times he does because of the confidence that he plays with but I'll tell you this, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Phillip. He obviously has options. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back and give it one more try. Because remember, there was no offseason, so he really didn't get a chance to work with that unit until late in the summer. So you give him one offseason to connect with those guys even more. The run game is going to be outstanding with Jonathan Taylor. He was tremendous at the end of the year. So I think running back one more year, give him one more chance to see what happens. And, and then if it doesn't happen, we know he's going to go coach high school football anyway. <laughs> he's almost has an entire high school team in his home um, with, uh, with all of the kids and everything else. Uh, LT, it is a pleasure to catch up. We enjoy watching you on the NFL Network, and we will do it again soon. Happy New Year, and thank you very much.
Happy New Year, Green, and great to talk to you. Take care. That's LaDainian Tomlinson with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Goodyear helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. That That's one of the best teams of its era that never quite got there. You know, sometimes you forget about teams because they don't mind making it to the Super Bowl, but those Chargers teams with Rivers and Tomlinson were outstanding. Uh, Mark Schlereth will join me next. Uh, now that we are clued in on the timing and everything else has worked out well, and the green list is still on the way as well. It's a Monday, and I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. <laughs> Greeny with you here, coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Joining me now is, I, I believe, the person that I have done the second most total hours of radio with in my entire life. Live from Denver, where it is currently mountain time, the one and only Mark Stink Schlereth is with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Hello, Stink. Greeny, I can just imagine you in that share outfit on the decks of a, uh, a Navy ship. It's just absolute <laughs> beauty. And by the way, you're right. I am joining you now from Denver because apparently I don't understand the difference between East Coast and Mountain Time. So uh, I'm glad we could work this out. Yeah, we were supposed to, for those of you who are just joining us, he was supposed to be with us an hour ago. He got confused in the time change. But here's what I will say. I will not be mad, yeah. and the reason is, because I've told you this many times, you are the single toughest person I know. And I will tell my favorite story about that before we get into the football. Everyone is going to love this. This is going back a 1,000 years ago. Stink is hosting Mike and Mike with me one day. And then a break, the two of us run into the men's room. And, I'm, and we're in the middle of a conversation. I said, Stink, tell me what it's like to be tough. What is it like to be tough? Because I've never been tough. And Stink says, I'll tell you exactly what it's like. And he walks up to the urinal. And then there's an ESPN bathroom. Pants down to the ankles. Shorts down to the ankles. And he turns to me and he says, no one's going to say a damn word. And I said, that is the best explanation of what I mean, because it's true. If I'd walked in and that was going on, I literally would have just said, hey, Stink, nice butt. Good to see you. How's everything going? There would be no mocking. Uh, uh, yeah, those are the good times. I don't know that that is, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know that that's the best description, um, but it was at the time it felt poignant to me. I don't know. It, it worked out. It was, it was for you. It was good. You, you got the you got the whole bit. Like if you'd have walked in the bathroom and I've been standing there with everything down around my ankles, you'd have just done a U turn and walked right back up. Probably like that's that is the definition of toughness. What I certainly would not have done is mock you, and that's where the toughness comes in. Okay, let's get down okay. to business. Let's talk about toughness because it felt to me like two of the games this weekend really came down to that. Through your eyes as an offensive lineman and, a, and just a tough guy who made your living in the trenches, what did you see Baltimore do to Tennessee yesterday that decided that game? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, Greeny, I was talking about this today, just the overall display of saying we are going to lock up in man-to-man -man situations 
and we're going to have five guys across the line of scrimmage, and we are going to dominate the trenches. We are going to shut down your running game. Hey, and if your quarterback can beat us, all you know, good for you guys, great. But we don't believe he can. And, like, that is, to me, the definition of basically putting your money where your mouth is and saying this is what's going to win. You know, interestingly enough, the, the further we get, uh, you know, in the evolution of football with all the spread offense and all the different things that we, that, that, you know, we claim to be this evolutionary process that we're going through, you show me the team this weekend in Super Wild Card Weekend that dominated the line of scrimmage, I'll show you the team that came out victorious. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go back to the Rams. I mean, the Rams, their quarterback comes into the game after their backup quarterback gets hurt with three pins in his thumb from 11 days ago. And Cam Akers dominates in the running game. They dominate the line of scrimmage, and the Rams upset the Seahawks. Like, you show me any game where that team won the trenches, the battle of the trenches. So as far removed as from football as we get from, you know, the inception of football to where we are now, one thing remains true. Physically beat the team in front of you, and you're going to win a lot more often than you're going to lose. That's exactly right. Stink is with me here on ESPN Radio. Another example of that was what Cleveland did to Pittsburgh last night. And it's jarring because, you know, back when you were playing for Denver, those really good teams that you were on with the Broncos and won two Super Bowls, you had to go through Pittsburgh to get there a couple of times. And the Steelers have always stood for exactly what you're talking about, being the toughest guy on the block. So for them to have become the team they are now is is sort of jarring to watch. What do you see? Yeah, you know, I, I was supposed to do a Steelers game for Fox earlier this year, and I got changed last minute to a different game. And it was really interesting because I watched a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers offensive tape, you know, and I charted it all down. And, and as I'm charting it down, Greeny, because, you know, when you call games for a living, you're not watching the whole NFL. You're doing a game on Sunday. And so I'm spending 50 hours a week prepping for that game. And so I get into this Pittsburgh film, and I'm really digging into it, and I'm like, Damn, they're in more four-wide formations, five-wide formations, three-by-two formations, empty formations than I've ever seen anybody in. And, you know, and, and the further you get away from that, from, from what you were, once were, like playing on the offensive line and dominating the line of scrimmage is a skill. And I always get pissed off when I hear people talk about, hey, you know, the skill position players. There's no greater skill than moving a man from point A to point B against his will. And I always say this, like you've seen the transition. You've seen Hall of Fame corners go to safety and have a great, you know, uh, you know have great success. You've seen safeties transition to linebackers. We've seen linebackers to defensive ends. We've seen defensive ends to defensive tackles, right? Yeah. We've even seen defensive tackles transition to offensive linemen. You don't ever see an offensive lineman transition to another position. You you go from offensive line to fan. So <laughs> you are the worst athlete on the on the football field. And yet you're supposed to block the guy in front of you 65 straight times in a row. And if you don't do it, you suck and he goes to the Pro Bowl. And so there's an unbelievable skill set there because the guy that you're facing is the same size and the same strength as you, yet um, he's, he's exponentially a better athlete than you. And so for me, like it's the most skilled position in all of, of football, and we take it for granted. You dominate that aspect of the game. You win. And going back to Pittsburgh, you know, they've totally gotten away from it. Early in the season, James Conner was running the ball. They were running the ball, and all of a sudden they transitioned into this four wides, let's throw the ball all over the place. And, um, and what's happened to them is teams have adjusted. Teams have gotten into press. 
They have disrupted the routes, the route combinations. They can't run the ball, and all of a sudden their protections start to break down. I don't care who you are. You throw it 45, 55, 65 times a game, you're going to lose. It's just, it's just the nature of the business that we're in. Mark Slavith with me. One more for you. Let's let this be the first moment of hyping up what will be one of the most memorable playoff games, I think, in NFL history. As this weekend, we will get Drew Brees against Tom Brady. We've never had anywhere near this level of accomplishment amongst the quarterbacks in any postseason matchup. They are a combined 84 years old. What is your expectation with these two guys going head-to-head on Sunday? Well, I mean, they're they're both very very skilled football teams, first and foremost, uh, on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think the Saints are as deep as any football team that I've covered all year long. And and the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are as dynamic, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Both these guys playing at an extremely high level, there's no question. And what Brady has been able to do here recently in the last six weeks of the season is they've kind of meshed together two different philosophies from – you know, Bruce Arians, who told me, hey, man, my whole philosophy is post-snap, right? I want the quarterback reading safeties. I want the quarterback reading the middle linebacker go with the ball, whereas Brady has always been pre-snap. I want motions. I want formations to dictate coverages so I know before we snap the ball. They've come together, and what they've done offensively here in the last six weeks of the season has been exceptional. These two guys are still playing at exceptionally high levels. It is so much fun. Um, obviously, the Saints have had their way with uh, Tampa Bay in the in the first couple of meetings, but these are two different football teams. I guarantee you, Tampa Bay is a much different football team than the Saints faced the last time they beat them. I agree with that. Hey, Stink, congratulations on the grandson. You have added a little boy to the group of grandchildren there. I was excited for you and the whole family. Well done. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Always good catching up, Greeny. You too. Take care. Mark Schlereth, uh, just terrific again. And, and more than uh, worth waiting for here on ESPN Radio. Hey, who's going to raise the trophy? You'll find out tonight. The College Football Playoff National Championship is presented by AT&T. Coverage begins 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And then, of course, it's all over TV and the megacast and everything else. It's going to be enormous tonight. My green list is related to that. That's coming up. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you here. The Green List is coming your way in just a moment as we get you set for tonight's college football national championship. I said it's the best three-day stretch of football ever. Six playoff games into tonight's game between Alabama and Ohio State. You can't ask for more. But I told you that one NFL coach did something yesterday that none had ever done before. And it is yet another example of something that I've been telling you for a long time. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after its time. The genius, you said? You're a genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. That's right, Charles Barkley. That's exactly right. Mine is that kind of genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. I told you 
that the Ravens were going into these playoffs in a role that suits them better than last year. Last year, they were the team that everything went right for, and they were 14-2, and two, and they were the one seed, and all the expectations, and everyone thought they were the best. And that just isn't the way this group functions. It's not the way John Harbaugh's teams have worked. They're much better off going in the way they go in this year, when no one expects anything from them, and they have backed into a corner, and it's them against the world. And the perfect example of that is that yesterday, John Harbaugh won his eighth road playoff game. No other NFL coach has won as many. Not Bill Belichick, not Chuck Knoll, not anybody. John Harbaugh has won more road playoff games than any coach in NFL history. That suits this team. It suits the personality. It suits the character. It suits him. So Harbaugh, the winningest road coach in NFL playoff history. And I tell you what, I think it broke well for them last night. Historically, they have not played well against Kansas City. Their defense has just been eaten alive by Patrick Mahomes. But with the Browns winning last night, they don't have to go play Kansas City. They get to go play Buffalo first. And as good as Buffalo has been, ooh, I like Baltimore in that spot. We will have plenty of time to talk about it as we work our way closer. But one piece of business left today. Don't forget, it's Alabama and Ohio State tonight for the College Football Playoff National Championship. It's presented by AT&T. It's tonight on ESPN. It's tonight on ESPN Radio. And the Megacast will be on ESPN2, ESPN News, the SEC Network, ESPN Deportes, the ESPN app, and a whole lot more. The coverage here on ESPN Radio starts at 7 Eastern, and it's at 8 Eastern on ESPN TV. And that brings us to today's Green List. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Green list. In honor of tonight being the game, my green list today, my top five list of whatever it is I choose, is the top five college football coaches of this century as Nick Saban attempts to win his seventh national championship tonight. And by this century, I don't mean the last hundred years. I mean literally this century, going back to the year 2000. The list of the top five coaches of that era as chosen by me, the ultimate authority on all matters. And here we go. Number five. Number five is Bob Stoops, I think largely forgotten because the sport has become so top-heavy that we overlook what he accomplished at Oklahoma. But before these other guys were completely dominating the sport, he was. He won a national championship. He won the Big 12 10 times between 2000 and 2016. His career record was 190 and 48. Came back coach of the XFL this year. That didn't end well, obviously as the season got called off because of the coronavirus. I hope they come back, but that's neither here nor there. Bob Stoops is number five on my list of the top coaches, college football coaches of this century. Number four. Number four is Dabo Sweeney. I'm sure some will argue he should be higher. I just think that it hasn't been going on as long. He's won two national championships. You can't argue with the success. He's won his conference, the ACC, seven times. He's 140 and 33. More importantly, or perhaps causally, he brought in Deshaun Watson and now Trevor Lawrence. So he's coached great quarterbacks. He was right when he said that Deshaun was the next MJ. And obviously, Trevor Lawrence will go in this year as the number one pick. Dabo Sweeney has done an unbelievable job at a place that hasn't traditionally been this kind of college football power. He is number four on my list. Number three. Number three will surprise you, but it is Pete Carroll. I think we just forget what he did at USC. Maybe because of the way he left it, sort of one step ahead of the posse. And maybe because he's been so successful at Seattle that we've sort of forgotten his college success. But he won two national championships and four Rose Bowls, and he won the Pac-10 seven times, went 97-19, and and was totally dominant at USC. Totally dominant. 
every bit as dominant as these programs are now. And would have won another national title, but he lost to Vince Young in one of the greatest games you'll ever see in your life. So for me, Pete Carroll is number three on the green list of the top five coaches in college football of this era. Number two. Urban Meyer is two. Urban Meyer built two programs into champions. What he did at Florida was extraordinary. What he did at Utah was extraordinary. And then obviously what he did at Ohio State, the championship that he won in 2014 remains, I think, the most amazing college football national championship of recent memory on his third string quarterback, Cardale Jones. They win the title, beating Saban in the semis on the way. By the way, he was Saban's kryptonite. All in all, he won three national championships, three Big Tens, two SECs, and just was a dominant coach. So he's number two on the number list. Number one. You don't need me to tell you that Nick Saban is number one. Tonight he could win his seventh national championship. He's won six, the one at, at LSU, and now five of them at, at Alabama. And maybe all I need to tell you is Bear Bryant won six national championships in 25 years at Alabama. If Saban wins tonight, he'll have six championships at Alabama since 2009. He is the greatest college football coach, in my opinion, of all time. And he can cement that or add to the resume with it if he wins tonight. So that, my friends, is the green list here for today. And I will give you my pick. Look, I love Saban. If you listen to this show, then you know I have him on regularly. I really like him. I really admire him. He's an extraordinary coach. And no one ever got rich betting against him. But A, I feel like I need to rep the Big Ten. That's my conference. And B, I just think sometimes the year finds you. Everything Ohio State has been through, everything that quarterback has been through, if he's healthy tonight, I think Justin Fields is just the kind of player who can give you a Vince Young-esque kind of performance and lead his team to a win. So in a crazy game, I've got Ohio State 48-47 to win the championship tonight. We'll see. See you tomorrow on ESPN Radio.